Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. If you're new to the show, welcome. Happy to have you here. My goal here is to talk about grain markets and other stuff. The other stuff is uh, oftentimes, but not always related to the grain markets and grain marketing and things along those lines. Uh, Today's episode is in fact related uh, mostly to grain marketing. We're going to talk about options and uh, why options sometimes get a bad rap, uh, why people have had bad experiences with options in the past, um, and maybe what we can do to remedy that situation. Remember, if you'd like to uh, follow along here, the podcast, Grain Markets and Other Stuff, it's available everywhere. It's on Apple Podcast. Uh, Google, Spotify, really any other podcast platform. So if you haven't subscribed already and you like the content uh, that I'm putting out here, certainly go ahead and subscribe. Uh, The more subscribers, the better. Also, you can go to standardgrain.com to find out a little bit more about me. Follow me on Twitter, at standardgrain, if you're looking for some more uh, real-time info. So in this episode, um, I'm going to seek to tackle... I don't know if I'd call it a controversy, but the the discussion surrounding options and options as a grain marketing tool. Um, being in this business, doing commodity futures brokerage and options brokerage and grain marketing and consulting, um, I've heard a lot of different things about options. And so many times the opposition to any sort of options strategy is, you know, I hate options. Options never work. I had a bad experience with options. And yes, under the right circumstances, or maybe in this instance, under the wrong circumstances, options can be a very bad and and costly tool if you're not using them correctly. And I'm not going to go into this presentation and tell you that there's one way that always works because there isn't. I'll tell you what I've seen work over the years. Um, the interesting thing about the, this conversation is that, you know, options never work. That's just flat out wrong. It's not true. Um, maybe maybe you're a guy who had a bad experience with options once or twice, and uh, you've kind of written off options as, as a risk management tool, but I've seen options work wonders uh, over the years for a lot of people. And I think that that's why this is interesting, because I think you've got people who are in a couple of different camps. I mean, some people love hedging or trading using options. Other people won't touch them. I'm going to kind of run through what I think are, are the, is the good, the bad, and the ugly about buying a put, selling a call, uh, other different strategies. I'm going to tell you what I've seen fail over the years. I'm going to tell you what I've seen succeed over the years. And there's some, some attitudes, uh, mentalities that I think an options trader or hedger uh, should possess, and uh, maybe at the end of the day, options are, are not for you, but maybe you think they're not for you, and, and they really are. That's 
that's what I'd like. That's kind of the question I'd like to maybe try to answer here before the end of this. So what's the first what's the first thing that you hear from from say a grain marketing advisor or broker when it comes to options and and let's hedge using options. Well, buy a put option. A put option is insurance. A put option will set a price floor and you don't have to commit to a cash sale and you leave the upside open. Isn't it wonderful? And in a lot of situations what ends up happening is that you know, you'll buy that option, say, on December corn, and maybe it's a $4 put option. And let's just use this year's example. You know, we've got the board hovering around $4, and, and maybe you go spend $0.25 cents on that option, $0.25 cents a bushel. Um, the reason, perhaps, that wouldn't succeed is is there's more than one level to it. So the first thing working against you when you just straight up buy the option, of course, is time value. And when you buy an option without a big move in the market, pretty much every day you're seeing time value decay. And the reason that there's time value in an option is because, you know, the option provides you the right in this instance to be short from $4, but not the obligation. So the more opportunity that that market has to trade sharply below $4, the more time it has, the more it's going to be worth on this is a very simple way of explaining it. I'm not going to get into to Greeks or or any of that stuff today, but um, the time value is working against you no matter what the, the situation, and that's the first problem. If you run into a market that that consolidates over the period of a month or two months or three or four or five, six months, and, and you've bought 10 months worth of time, it, it's almost a guarantee that if the market doesn't move real far, that option's going to be worth a lot less, and you're going to be sitting sitting here looking at a board price that hasn't changed, but your option is worth a lot less. You're already losing money there. Um, the other thing, of course, would be, you know, buy the buy the put in the market rallies. And that's a lot of times what what you're sold on is that you should buy the put so that you're still in the ball game when the market does rally. So is straight up losing time value on an option or losing money on a put option necessarily the worst thing in the world? No, it's not the worst thing in the world if if the market rallies. Now, if the market stays sideways and your market and your option that you pay twenty five cents for goes to zero, I think that's a really bad situation. What you got to remember here is this: that twenty five cents that you paid for the four dollar put, you're not getting that back. I mean, you you may end up at the end of the day selling the option. You may end up selling the option for more than twenty five cents. So yeah, you'll get it back, but. Let's say that the market goes from $4 and at expiration, it's at $3. What have you made on that option that you paid 25 cents for? You didn't make a dollar. The board moved a dollar, but you didn't make a dollar. You still gave up that 25 cents. You gave up that edge. You give up a big, big edge when you're just a a put buyer. So really what you've made is 75 cents on a dollar move to the downside with just a straight long put option. And uh, that, in my opinion... There's a time for that, but it's it's typically not the most efficient way to hedge. I feel like as a farmer, as a producer of the actual cash commodity, you're probably the last person that should be giving up an edge when it comes to, to hedging. You know, most of these people, most of the, or not most of them, but a lot of the open interest in these markets 
has no interest in the cash market. You've got a lot of speculative money out there that's trading just to trade. You've got an interest in the cash market. So I feel like as a farmer, you're probably the last person that should be giving up that edge in the market. You're giving up that 25 cents as you're giving up a big edge when you do that. I don't like that necessarily, although I think there is a time for it. I've seen long, long only put strategies work. And when they do work, it seems it seems like it works like this. It's usually you buy a put after an extended rally. And over the last four, five, six years, what we've seen, say, in the corn market are a rally, a crop scare event that maybe lasts a month. And then you'll revert back and go back to the old trading range, which is, you know, what, what's been 350 up to 380, basically, for the most part, in, in spot month futures, at least. So I've seen it work in those situations. If you can really time it right um, after a rally, I, I think that the long only put strategy can work. But buying that long put in in when we're, say, in the middle of, of the range, toward the lower end of the range, it's going to be very difficult to make money on that put at the end of the day. So I think that that's one thing that people have had a bad experience with. I think probably the most common bad experience is a farmer buys a put, the market does nothing, and he still loses money on the put. And that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and I, I understand that. The second one would be selling a call. I think that the, the problem arises here when maybe a farmer doesn't understand the, the implications when it comes to risk. Um, some people will tell you horror stories about, oh, you know, guy down the road lost his farm selling call options or selling futures or whatever. And maybe that story's true, but it's only true if he was selling calls excessively or on bushels that he didn't actually possess. Um, you've got to be very aware of the risk here. When you sell a call, outright sell a call, say I picked, let me pull up my quote screen here today. So these corn settled at on this particular day, these corn settled at 402. Let's say you sold a 450 call for 12 and a half cents for December corn. And we have uh, 2012 repeats itself in, in 2020 and uh, corn ends up at $7. Your risk to reward there when you think about it is is really pretty terrible. The only thing you can make is that 12 and a half cents that you sold the option for. Your potential risk is unlimited. If the market goes to $7, you're on the hook for $7 minus whatever your strike price is, minus 450. You still get to keep the 12 cents, but um, the risk to reward there is pretty terrible. So I think that there are people who maybe had did that once and got burned and got beat up. Um, and because of that, wrote off options as being a viable hedge strategy. And um, I think that a lot of this, again, at, at the end of the day, comes down to understanding. But that's another strategy. And those are the two most, two well, two very simple strategies that you could use as hedge tools that I've seen either backfire or maybe become misunderstood or or be the reasons that somebody is is not interested in options. There's a third one. And the third the third one in my note I wrote down octagon or octopus. And we used to have a, a joke in, in the office years and years ago. Uh, and there was there was a newsletter that we got, I think it was from a broker or from somebody that was that was outside of our, our office. And it was and, and the joke was Oh, well, the old XYZ wants to put on the octagon spread again. And and what we were talking about was 
the super exotic option strategies that had eight legs to them. So that's that's why we called them the octopus or the octagon. Put on the old octopus spread again, and it was you know always some crazy combination of you know buy three puts here and sell four calls there, but then buy another ten calls there. And um, I I think it's very difficult for anybody who's not uh, a professional to understand that sort of thing. And uh, oftentimes they're they're pitched or sold to a farmer with with you know this great story about how it could make this astronomical amount of money if the right move happens. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of times the farmer is is left questioning the purpose or what he's just done and why did he pay so much in fees for it? And that's that's what it came down to at the end of the day, I think, for whoever sells that stuff is that those things generate a whole bunch of fees and uh, they don't off, they don't always do maybe what they should do. Now, options can work. I have customers that hedge every year using options. And I'm not going to say that they make money every year, but I'm going to say that they're generally successful in that they successfully manage risk by implementing these strategies. Now, do they make money every year with options? No. Um, But I think when they do lose money, it's for the right reasons. And when they make money, it's for the right reasons. Losing money in a hedge account is okay. Margin calls are okay as long as it's for the right reasons. We can't. We all know we can't predict these markets, and that's something I'm going to say over and over and over and over again on this podcast is that you cannot predict what the market's going to do. I don't care how fancy your USDA spreadsheet is. I don't care how long you've been doing this. I don't care what your cycle says. I don't care what your weather forecast says. You can't predict the prices. You can't do it. The best traders in the world don't predict prices. What the best traders in the world do is manage risk. And they try to seek opportunities where the potential reward outweighs the potential risk. That's what there is to it. It shouldn't be a secret, but I feel like maybe it is. Um, so what what does work with options? I talked about you know a, a very simple put-only strategy where you just buy a put option as, as being potentially successful. But it's got to be under the right conditions. When I've seen that particular strategy work, meaning that it makes money and provides and becomes a successful hedge against cash grain. It, it usually has to be done, say, during a weather scare, following a very significant rally. Um, that's when that sort of thing can work. When you put options at, at strike prices that maybe lock in a profit for you, and you can still lock in a profit even after you pay the premium on the cash side, um, that's when I, w- I would say it's, it's successful if you're able to do that. Now, if you're buying a $4 Dees corn put, uh, today for 25 cents and you're locking in 475 futures which probably equates to an even lower cash price what are we really doing are we locking in a break even are we locking in a loss you're not really locking it in you're setting a floor at a loss i mean that just doesn't do a whole lot for me personally but buying puts can work it's just if you if you buy the puts and we're at the lower end of the range or even the middle end of the range and again this is not this is not science because we never know where the middle or the lower end of the range is going to be. But looking back over the last four or five years, really going back to twenty, say twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, um, buying options. You know, if you're if you're toward the lower, the middle end of the range, it's going to be an uphill battle for you. If you're able to to buy a put option outright when you get to the upper end of the trading range, you're going to be a lot more successful, at least in my experience. 
selling calls can be a great strategy, but it's not it's not a hedge really. I mean, it, it is a hedge in that you know a lot of guys have the attitude that we're going to sell a call, we're going to sell that 450 discorn call for 12 and a half cents, and we're going to tell the market, come and get me, come and get me up there, come and come and burn me on that because I'd love to see the board up at 450. The way that that you can get really beat up there is if you over leverage yourself and you sell too many calls. That's something that you don't want to do on a huge percentage of, of expected production. Um, you don't want to have short calls on on half your crop or three quarters of your crop um, in most situations. It's a strategy that can be kind of supp- supplemental, I would say, in addition to a solid cash plan, in addition to a solid uh, you know plan with with futures or HTAs or basis contracts. It's it's supplemental because it's not a real hedge. It doesn't set a floor. It it can put some extra bonus cash in your pocket, but um, it's not it's not a real hedge in the truest sense of the word. Now, I, what happens with with call sellers of this? And I and I have customers that sell calls every year, and I would say generally they're successful. Generally, those call options end up going off worthless. That's what happens in in most situations. The last four or five years. I mean, even this year, this past year in 2019, if you were a seller of these corn options, they scared the heck out of you for a minute. You might have been short calls at 434, 44, 50, and, and the board ran to 470. And during that time, you were on the hook for a whole bunch of margin calls, and um, you know it got real messy for a second. But at the end of the day, those options ended up expiring worthless. So even in years when you have a run, a run to very high prices, there's still a possibility and, and maybe a good possibility in some years that those options end up going off worthless. So I think if you're going to be a call seller, in my experience at least, this is in my experience, if you're a call seller and you do it consistently, if you sell calls above the corn market every year, I would venture to say that over the course of 10 to 20 years, you'll be pretty successful. You'll probably make money. That would be my guess. Now, the tide could turn here and what we've been in in the corn and soybean markets here recently, the last several years, five, six years, has been kind of a range-bound affair. If we get back into, say, a 2006 through 2013-type market where we're in bull market territory more often than bear market territory, um, that's going to change. That's going to change, and, and the call sellers are going to get beat up every year. We're not there yet. I'm going to tell you my favorite way to hedge using options. This is what I've seen. This is a strategy that I've seen uh, be successful over the years. It's not extraordinarily complicated. We refer to this strategy. It's it's a two-way spread. We refer to this uh, in the industry as, as a risk reversal. Some people call it a combo. Some people call it a collar. Essentially, what you do in this strategy is you buy a put. While simultaneously selling a call to offset the call of the put, the to offset the cost of the put, and this goes back to the earlier conversation where I mentioned that um, the big problem with long only puts is that you see time value decay. My favorite way to do this, and I'll give you an example of it right now, is to buy a put and then sell a call of equal value. So what you're doing is you're not giving up that big edge. And the situation, the situation that occurs so often with long puts is that, okay, you put the strategy on and then the market does nothing for three months. 
With this sort of strategy, if you buy a put and you sell a call simultaneously at equal value, you pay net nothing out of pocket. When when we consolidate for three or four months and you have that strategy on, yeah, your put the, the long put's gonna lose money, but the short call is going to lose money as well. And that's that's profitable for you. So at the end of the day, you might be left with nothing. So here's here's an example. And this is not one that I'm advising right now, but this would be an example. So let's say I bought a Say I bought a December corn, uh, 380 put for 14 cents, and I sold a 440 call for 14 cents. What does that do for me? It provides me a floor at 380. Is that a great floor? No. This is just for demonstration purposes. It provides me a ceiling at 440. So you've got three different scenarios that can play out here with this thing. The first one is this: the board trades below 380. If you hold on to these positions through expiration and you were to put that trade on at equal value, you know, the put is you, you bought the put, but you sold the call for an equal amount of money. If we trade below 380, you're going to essentially be paid off one to one, anything below 380. If the board ends up at three bucks, you're going to make 80 cents. Second scenario, the board trades above your short call, 440. You're essentially going to be short the board from that 440 strike. Now, there's, there's some tricks there because you're not guaranteed that short position. This is where people get hurt with accumulator contracts in a lot of situations. You're not guaranteed a short from that position. The nice, th- the nice thing about being short the, sh- the 440 call, though, <clears throat> on the board, rather than doing it um, with an elevator as an accumulator, is that in the board, you can get out of it. So at any point, I could get out of this whole thing and just say, okay, the market's good enough. I'm going to make a cash sale, and I'm going to take a loss on my hedge. At any point, you can do that. But that's your second scenario is that you trade above your upper strike price and you're basically stuck with with margin calls and potentially a short position from 440. And like I said, you've got some flexibility there in that you can exit this thing at a loss and sell the cash. The third strategy or the third the third the third possibility is the one that I see occur probably most often is that we just trade in the middle of that range. We trade in the middle of that 380 to 440 range for of an extended period of time, or maybe the entirety of, of the option. We could very well trade in this instance in December corn. We could trade between 380 and 440 for the next six months, for all I know. And if that happens in the interim, as I mentioned before, you're going to make some money on the put or on the short call, rather. You'll make some money on the short call because time decay is going to affect that, and that's going to be money in your pocket. And you're going to lose money on the short on the long put. You're going to lose money on the put that you own also because of time decay. Now, if we get to expiration at the end of November around Thanksgiving and the market's still in that 380 to 440 range, what are you left with? You're going to have a put that expires worthless and you're going to have a short call that expires worthless and you're going to be left with nothing. You didn't lose money. You didn't make money. But I think the position did its job in that it set that floor for you at 380. It did set a ceiling for you at 440. 440 is okay. Most guys would take 440 in any of the last three or four years. So that's the that's the thing that I love about that strategy is that when you get in that sideways market, when you get in that consolidation trade, you're not seeing the value of your position or the value of your hedge deteriorate every single day. You're just not seeing it. So that's something to consider. And the best time 
just like any hedge strategy, any hedge strategy that seeks to protect the downside, the best time to put this sort of strategy on, this risk reversal, combo collar, whatever you want to call it, the best time to put it on is when the market's up. I mean, the best time to do it, the best time to do any sort of grain marketing is when the market's up, aside from maybe a basis contract. I mean, the best time to buy puts is when, a mar- is when the market's up. The best time to put this risk reversal combo collar on is when the market's up. The best time to sell calls is when a market's up. Typically, you're going to get more premium at a higher strike. So, you know, it, it, it all comes back to the very simple concept of buy low and sell high. Um, and that's, that's all we're trying to do essentially in grain marketing. And really, we, we can almost cut out half of that. We've just got to sell high. We're not really interested in buying anything low other than maybe input costs, which is a little bit different, uh, a different situation. So if you're a person who's had problems with options in the past, or maybe years ago you wrote off options as being an ineffective tool for hedging or for grain marketing, maybe it's time to rethink that. If this is something you've never done before, maybe you should do some some research and seek to understand it. Or maybe you do totally understand it and you've decided that options are just not for you. It's just not your thing. It's not going to happen. You like being a cash-only marketer, and that's fine too. I think with any investment, and you know, you're putting money out there. I'll, I guess I'll call it an investment. Um. With any, with any financial instrument, rather, is maybe a better way to phrase it. With any financial instrument, and I talked about this in, in a previous episode when I talked about um, uh, compound interest, and I talked about you know farmland and, and S&P index funds and things like that. You better understand what you're doing. That's the most dangerous part of all of this. If you get involved in a strategy that, you're not, that you don't understand 100%, you don't have your head wrapped around it, that's where you can get yourself into trouble. So that's the first and biggest thing with all of this is just you've got to understand what you're doing. When you buy that put option, you better understand that, you know, if we trade sideways, it's going to lose money. If we go up, it's going to lose money. And then what's what's the implication of all of this in, in the grander scheme of things? What's the implication on your balance sheet in total as a farmer? You always want that market to go up. Um, is losing money in your hedge account the worst thing that could happen to you on your balance sheet as a whole? Um, in most of these situations, you want to get into a situation where if you lose money in the hedge account, you do it for, for the right reason. Like in that combo collar risk reversal instance where you that I mentioned that, that being my favorite, where you buy a put, sell a call simultaneously, and they're equal value. The only way you lose money on that position on paper at expiration is if we're above that upper strike price, if we're above that 440 that I used in my example. That's the only way you lose money at expiration in that situation. And on your balance sheet, that's going to look really good. What looks bad on your balance sheet is when you buy a $4 put for $0.25 and it expires worthless but the board doesn't move. That doesn't really look good on your balance sheet. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of people that have different differing opinions on this. But I'm telling you what I've seen work over the last... 15 years of doing this. That's what I've seen work. I've seen the long only put be successful sometimes, but only in the right situations. I've seen short calls be successful very often, but again, there's a lot of risk there and you've got to understand that it's a, it's a limited reward, unlimited risk scenario there. 
those combos, collars, risk reversals that I alluded to, long put, short call, equal value. That's my favorite way to do it. I've seen it become success. I've seen it work so many times. And the best time, one thing that I, I did not mention in that that I should have with those risk reversals combos, um, when you get a rally in the market, what happens to the options? We call this the, the skew in the options. A lot of times a call that's, say, 50 cents out of the money will be worth way more than a put that's 50 cents out of the money. When you get a big rally in the market, you get a big premium in the calls versus the puts. That's the time to do it. That's historically the best time to do it. Say you get, say we rallied Discorn up to 450 this year. You'll be able to sell a $5 call and probably pay for a put. So say the call is only 50 cents out of the money. I think you'll be able to pay for a put that's only maybe 30 cents out of the money with that money. And that's a great deal. That That's giving you an edge. And I talked about edge earlier, about how you're giving up an edge when you're just along a put. You can gain an edge in that particular instance. If you like the podcast, remember, subscribe. Do it on Apple, Google, Spotify, whichever podcast app you use. But subscribe and listen. I'm gonna. These things are going to be out once a week, maybe twice a week, depending on uh, what's going on. Um, go to standardgrain.com. Click on Grain Marketing Plan. If you're seeking to improve your grain marketing, um, I offer a, essentially a full grain marketing plan, cash sales, uh, sell signals. Um, I talk about which option strategies I'm using and uh, when I'm using them, how to implement them. Uh, it includes a text message service. Uh, 49 bucks a month billed to your credit card is is one of the best values I know of in terms of a, a grain marketing plan. I don't charge a per acreage fee or anything like that. And then, of course, my, my day spent doing brokerage. So if you need to do some brokerage, you're looking for a broker. Um, that's what I do the majority of the day. We'll talk to you next week.